This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at the Bank St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. Two scriptures really, Isaiah 66. I just can't, I don't know why it was, but this sort of particular verse, this scripture's kind of captured me all week. Uh, Isaiah 66. Uh, Isaiah 66, 1 to 2. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? Where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hands has made and all those things exist as the Lord. I think this is the kind of verse I want you to get a hold of. On him who is poor, sorry, but on this one will I look. On him who is poor and a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. Isn't that powerful? Isaiah 57, which again probably is, a, is quite similar in many ways, but Isaiah 57 and verse 15. For thus says the high and lofty one, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and revive the heart of the contrite ones. Amen. We just thank you for your word today, God. It's so awesome and so amazing. And I pray today, would you give us those kind of hearts that kind of tremble at your word today? Because your word is so awesome and so powerful, Lord. I pray that, Lord, that for the Spirit of the Lord just to flow and you'd bring revelation and understanding to every heart today. Lord, we're so grateful that we can gather in this way today and just look at your word. And I pray today, Lord, that you would just speak so clearly to every heart and every life in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I want to talk really about just that, that, that sense, the kind of... And if you notice those verses, it says, this is the one I will look upon. Isn't that powerful? But on this one will I look. That's powerful. How many want God to kind of look at them? Isn't that right? You know, that word look there actually means to look with pleasure, to look intently. So it says that, God says that the one I take pleasure with, the one whom I will look, if you like, intently, is saying there's a condition of heart that draws God. There's a, there's a place, almost there's a, there's a condition of heart that postures ourselves to be able to encounter the presence and the glory of God. That wonderful, that's what we're saying. There's a posture, there's, there's a position we take that enables us to, to be in a place where God can reveal, that, God can, that we can encounter the reality of his presence. I felt ages ago, one of the things that God really kind of laid on my heart was this simple fact that God says, you know, above all else, what I'm looking for, people who will give me their attention. 
I did a great thing today that often there's so many things that distract us, so many things that kind of distract our lives. And God said, I simply want people that actually will give me their attention. Now, God says that the kind of heart, the kind of condition I'm looking for, the kind of position that people need to take if they want to encounter my presence in greater and deeper ways, that, that want to, to know the manifestation of my presence. How many want to know the manifestation of God's presence want to know him in greater ways and encounter him? He says, there's a condition of heart that requires that. And this is the word he uses. You, you see the word poor, okay? But that doesn't mean that you know, you're without money. In the Hebrew, that word poor means humble, humility. And God says, the heart that attracts me, the heart that kind of causes me, causes me to draw near, is the heart that is humble. That other verse, Isaiah 55 says, that God says, I will revive the humble of hearts. I'll revive that spirit. So if we want a move of God, if we want to see the Spirit of God move, the one thing to me that, that draws a revival, if you like, is a heart that is humble. And you'll find that the, the major beginnings of a move of God in someone's life, corporately, individually, begins with a heart that has learned to develop a spirit of humility. Now notice what it says there as it follows. It says, it says, God says, if you will have the one that is poor of heart, then he goes on to say the one is contrite of heart, then the one that trembles at my word. I want to see how those fit together because a humble heart will always come, will always cause a person to come to a contrite heart. You know what a contrite heart is? A heart that has learned to become soft and tender. The hardness, the coldness of heart has been lifted. And so a humble heart leads to a heart that is tender and sensitive and the hardness and the coldness begins to be broken. And from a heart that is humble, from a heart that is contrite, there becomes a heart that trembles at his word. I think one awful, what what an amazing description of a heart that, that trembles at the word of God. You know what that means? That means that's a heart that actually responds and puts into practice the word of God. We're not casual as we hear it. We actually are so impacted and affected by what God says that we begin to put into practice what God says. And here's my point. It's only a humble heart that can begin to put in practice what God says. Because a proud heart will resist what God wants to say. You know, one of the great... I talk about him a lot, but I think one of the great keys to the life of Smith was worth. He made a decision. This was his decision. He says, whatever I read in the Word of God, I'm going to do it. Whatever it is, no matter how crazy it seems, whatever I read in that Word, if God has said it, then that's the end of it. I'm going to actually apply it and do it to my life. To the point, he was struck that it says that about the disciples, about people who followed Jesus will actually raise the dead. And he began to apply that scripture to his life. And there are 16 actually accounts of him raising 16 people from the dead. Actually accounts. It's the sort of guy that you, it's not the sort of guy that you probably want to come to your funeral, come to a funeral. <laughs> because he had a natural tendency to sort of do something kind of 
raised the person from the dead. 16 people he raised from the dead because he had this thing that whatever God said in his word, I tremble at his word and I'm going to apply it and put it into practice in my life. There's a great story, uh, I think Reinhard Bonnke, there's a story when he, he was in, when he was in Nigeria. A couple of days earlier, I think three or four days earlier, a guy in Nigeria was driving and he got killed in a car crash. And his wife had a word. This was the word, his wife, this is the word she had. Okay, this is the word she had. The word she had was this, that God would raise the widow's, would, would, would raise the widow's husbands to life. That's the word she had. So she took, remember, he's dead three days. He's been killed in the car crash. She takes his coffin to a Reinhard Bonnke meeting. They wouldn't actually let the coffin into the meeting, so they said, look, you're going to have to go underneath. There were some rooms underneath. You're going to have to take it down there. And so they took the coffin, remember, he's dead under, under this underground, into, this, into these rooms. And so these pastors began to surround the coffin and began to pray. And actually, I think it was to their surprise, he suddenly sneezed and coughed and just jumped up. Now, actually, I think we've actually got the DVD of that, actually. So if you want to... If you want to listen to that and see that, it's actually, I think there, Richard's got the DVD of that very guy that it happened to, who's still alive to this day. There is someone who learned this secret. I tremble at the word. A humble heart that becomes broken, a heart that becomes contrite and sensitive to God, then leads to somebody who's going to actually apply what God says to their life. Let's look at another scripture, Luke chapter 2. I thought beans is Christmas. I thought beans is Christmas. We've got, to have a, we've got to have a, well, getting towards Christmas. Do you know there's 21 days to Christmas? I've done all my shopping, aren't you happy about that? Well, Andrew's, I mean, I, I don't do very much, Andrew does most of it. Uh, so the little I did, I've done, well, that's probably a little bit more. But Luke chapter 2, and there's a verse that often is very much, I suppose, very much that we kind of use very much for kind of Christmas. But Luke chapter 2 and verse 34. Story of when Simeon, when Jesus came before Simeon. He says in verse 34, Then Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of men in Israel. And for a sign which will be spoken against them. Never thought about that verse. I kind of looked at that verse. I thought, I wonder if they kind of got it right. Because surely it should be for the, for the rise and the fall, not the fall and the rise. I only see the difference. Ever heard this kind of term, the fall and the rise of the Roman Empire? But it says there, for the fall and the rise, not the rise and the fall. What's that about? I think it's part of, it's that sort of part of us that kind of thinks highly of itself, that part of us that always thinks it's right, that part of us that, that kind of is, can be self-righteous, becomes shaken. In other words, anything that hinders love, God wants to pull down in our lives. I think it, it comes to pull out the pride, it comes to pull out all the fears. I love to this, this scripture, really, that Jesus is a great physician. One of the great definitions of Jesus is he comes in truth. The spirit is called what? The spirit of what? Truth. Do you know what the truth actually means in Greek? 
It actually means reality. In other words, the Holy Spirit and through Jesus and his ministry, he brings reality. In other words, he helps us face things that we don't always see about ourselves. Those things, he brings a reality, a reality check on our lives. Those kind of attitudes, those things in us that we can't see. You know, if you come to our house, one of the things about our house, it's hard to get out of our house because we have a kind of blind spot and you kind of get out of it and you can't really see. And I think often in our lives there's blind spots, things that we can't see about ourselves. And it's almost that when the spirit of truth comes, he gives us, I wrote this term, a reality check. He shows us things that we can't really see about ourselves. I think one of the most powerful prayers that David prayed was this. He said, Lord, search my heart and test me. In other words, search me in the deepest recesses of my heart. Is there pride there? Are there things in me that hinder you? Things I can't yet see about myself. Would you cause your light to shine on those things, those recesses of my heart? Would you cause your light to shine upon it and test me in a sense that I will begin to resolve those things that you put your finger on. Search me, God. Shine your light into the deepest parts of my being. Things that hinder you, things that hold you from doing what you want to do in my life. How many realize the only heart that can allow that to happen is a heart that is humble? Because only a humble heart will allow God to shine his light on it. And the moment we see it, we begin to resolve it and deal with it. Let me give you some more kind of definitions, if you like, of, of humility. Because, you know, humility is the most mentioned or referred subject in the Bible. If you look at the book, book of Proverbs, it's just full of, of all kinds of verses on humility. The blessing of humility and the destructiveness of pride. And I believe if we're to encounter a powerful wave of the Spirit... The key to experience a powerful wave of the Spirit will always be humility. Because humility in its essence is learning to depend totally and completely on God. I think it's a great thing that God wants to, I think, teach believers. Because I think so much is, is that we can trust in so many things. Until we come to a place where we're actually in a place where we are really trusting God. We say it, but often it's tested. And I think God wants to raise up a generation of people that have learned the key to be totally and utterly reliant on him. That humility of heart. Because humility acknowledges God in every area of your life. You see, a prideful heart wants to do it their own way. A humble heart is submitted and constrained by the Holy Spirit. Let me give you a known verse in Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16. Kind of well-known verse. Pride goes before a fall, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be of a humble spirit with a lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud that's what God says he says that that the people who depend on him he is going to do amazing things do you remember those of us who have got you know those of us who remember children remember the, the dreaded twos remember that 
I will do it my way. However that, you know, they want to, you, you know, you try and tie their shoelaces. I can do that. Or whatever they do. They, I can do that. I can do this. I can do that. I can do that. It's almost that, that sense that they just want to do it independently. How many, how many realize that? How many recognize that? That kind of, that independence that comes. And I think often that we can often be like that with God. That we often want to always do it ourselves. I think it's 1 Peter 5 that says, He gives what? Grace. Who does He give grace to? To the humble. You know what grace is? Grace is supernatural ability to get the job done. It's God's empowering. It's God's ability. And I think when we come to a place of humility, grace begins to kick in. When we say, Lord, I realise I can't do this. I need your ability. I need your power. At that point, God begins to cause his empowering and his supernatural power to flow in. And when you think about it, when God calls you to do something and you don't think you can do it, that doesn't disqualify you. In fact, it qualifies you. (laughs) Because I found this, whatever God calls you to do, you'll never feel adequate to do it. And that's why God does it, because he wants you to rely on him to achieve it. Is that true? He wants you to rely on him, and so he brings you into a situation, to a circumstance, that you know is a beyond your ability to do. Why? So you learn to trust him, and through your trust, you're developing a heart of humility that causes grace to kick into your life. And the supernatural ability and power always kicks in, when we face those circumstances, we face those things, and we know we just, we just can't do it. Those are the greatest times in your life. Because they're the times when supernatural ability begins to kick in. How many of you have ever found that in their life? Lord, thank you for bringing me to a situation that I knew I couldn't handle myself. All right? Because then at that moment, at that time, I knew supernatural ability. He gives grace to the humble, those who are reliant and depending on him. best way I describe it is this. I found in my own life, actually. When I thought I could do it, that was the time I couldn't do it. When I thought I couldn't do it, that was the time I discovered through God's grace I could do it. It's almost, when I thought I was ready, I wasn't ready. When I thought I was ready, then, sorry, when I thought I wasn't ready, then I was ready. Because those are the moments when grace kicks in. Supernatural ability that is made available to all who just humble their hearts before the living God. It's another verse. Psalm 18, 27. And I think we could probably be here the whole of the day looking at various verses, but here's one. Psalm 18, verse 27. For you will save the humble people, but you will bring down the haughty look. The Bible says that he gives what? Grace to the humble. What does he do to the proud? The Bible says he resists the proud. You know in the Greek that word resist, you know what it means? It means to set an army. It's like he sets himself as an army general, a full battle array behind them. 
Isn't that awesome? It never says that God resists the immoral. It doesn't say God resists the, 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 the whatever else. It says God resists the what? Proud. And I thank God we need to get a hold of that. The, the moment I come to a place of pride that, that doesn't rely on God and resists God, then I'm holding what God... I'm, I'm holding back his supernatural ability and power to work. And it can be all kinds of things that we can be proud of. We can be proud of our giftings, our talents, our accomplishments. We can even be proud of the things that God gives us. The very thing God gives us as a gift. The very fact God uses us. We can be proud about that very fact. And we've got to constantly come back to this sense. Jesus, without you, I can do nothing. You know, Theologians think the reason why God is so much against pride because it was pride that actually ruined the universe. When Lucifer, we're told, was the archangel of heaven. And the Bible says his heart was lifted up because of pride. He didn't want to give God the glory, but because of the beauty God gave him, the Bible says he lifted his heart up against God. And you can read that story right there in Isaiah 14. And five times it says that I will, I will, I will lift myself up. I will, I will. And the key to humility is almost say, God, I just yield myself to you. That's why the Bible says that you can't love the world and you can't love God at the same time. You know why that is? Because part of the world system is the pride of life. And God opposes pride because every time he sees a person acting independently of him, every time a person tries to lift himself up, it reminds him of what Lucifer did right there in heaven. And a third of the angels, we're told, fell because of pride, because they lifted themselves up against the Most High God. So really, humility... Really, it's understanding in reality who we are. It's really, really having a, a proper perspective of who we are. Now, let me tell you about humility. It doesn't mean that you bring yourself down. It doesn't mean to say, I'm useless, I'm no good, I'm pathetic, and all this sort of stuff. That's not humility. That's often false humility. It's like, I think I shared this before by someone who was preaching once. And soon afterwards said, that was amazing. And I said, oh, it wasn't me, it was the Lord. And he says, it wasn't that amazing, you know what I mean? And sometimes as this thing, isn't it, though, we just always want to kind of give this idea that we're humble and everything else. And often that could be a kind of false humility. You know what true humility really is? It's to recognize that you are who God says you are. You think of yourself according to the word of God. You don't have an inflated opinion of yourself. You see yourself according to the word of God. That you're the righteousness of God. That you're God's child. You're a priest and you're king. And you're totally depending on the Christ inside you. The Christ inside you is a winner. With him you're a winner. Without him, outside of him you're a loser. Okay? And I think to be humble means that you recognize who you are in God's sight. And I think often when a person gets to that condition, that means that's a person that God can give more and more things to. Do you know why? Because there's an open heart, there's an open hand there. 
that says, God, I'm just open to you. I need you. I'm dependent on you. I love the story once with four guys together. And one guy says, who are you? He says, I'm an apostle. And the other guy says, well, I'm a prophet. And the other guy says, I'm an amazing Bible teacher. And I said to the fourth guy, who are you? He says, without Jesus, I'm a mess. And it's almost that recognition without him. It's all about him. We are dependent. We are relying on him. And I believe what the enemy wants to do is always drive us into a place of independence. That we try to act independently of him. And that's where pride happens. Pride happens when you think you can do it yourself. What would we read there? That before a fall, what is there? There is pride. What is pride? Acting independently of God. Pride always says, I can do it by myself. I don't need anyone else. I am sufficient. I am able. I've got all that it takes to do it. And the Bible says, when you have that heart, when you have that attitude, pride is the first step to where you fall. How many of you ever found that? You look back, that's the moment I messed up when I thought I could do it. That's the moment when I tried to do it without him. That's the moment when I thought I didn't need to pray, I didn't need to rely on God, and I thought I could do it. That's the moment I fell, and that's the moment I messed up. Pride always comes before a fall. A humble heart says, Jesus, I need you continually, constantly, and you're living this life of, of, of a day-to-day, moment-by-moment, constant awareness of your need of Jesus. And that's the person that his grace, his power, his supernatural ability flows through. Because you think that's the person that's going to see miracles. That's the person that's going to see signs and wonders. Do you think we can perform a miracle? Is that right? Do you think we can, you know, we can't even heal a gnat with a headache. And we need to come to a place and say, Lord, I just know that through, as I rely on you, I can do the miracles. I can do the signs. I can do amazing things as long as I live a life that is fully and totally dependent on you. Amen? I think actually almost there's nothing impossible for the person who is truly reliant and trusting in God. You know why we don't sometimes see the signs and the wonders and the miracles? It's simply this reason. It's because we're not dependent and reliant upon him to the level that we want to be. How easy pride gets into our hearts. You know, we don't want to look foolish. We don't want to, you know, what happens if I step out and nothing happens? What's that really, in essence? Isn't that pride? I've seen people actually sometimes, and they know God's calling them to get prayer somewhere. And they'd rather actually not respond because, they don't, because they're concerned what people might think about them Rather than even get a touch from God. Isn't that amazing? How easy pride gets into the human heart. I remember years and years and years ago, it was a pastor's meeting. There must have been, a, oh, I think, eight or 900,000 people there. And in that meeting, it was actually Randy Clark, actually, was the preacher, uh, one of the guys from Toronto. And I just remember there, he gave an appeal, and it just absolutely, just absolutely just pierced my heart. And, and he says, come forward, come and kneel at the front. And I thought, actually, if I'm honest, I thought you know, hundreds of people were going to respond. And I'm kind of halfway there. And I suddenly realized nobody else is responding. There's nobody else doing it. And I thought, do I go back? What do I do here? You know, what are people going to think about me? Are they going to think, you know, some kind of stuff? You know what they're going to think? And I thought, do I go back to my seat? And, and do I get more concerned about what people think about me rather than actually respond? If I'm the only one there, then. And I remember that was a mighty time that God really impacted me kind of kneeling at the front. And for, it seemed like an eternity. But actually, I think about after five or six minutes, other people responded. 
But often so many things just hold us back because in our hearts there's, there's, there's a pride, there's, a, there's an inability to just let God do what he wants to do in our lives. Okay, let's look at another scripture. Okay, look, look, at, look at Philippians 2 verse 8. I kind of like this one. This is a this defines Jesus. Two scriptures, Philippians two verse eight. This was the spirit of Jesus. Philippians two verse eight, and it says, "And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death." Even death of the cross. Now go over a little bit to Matthew, go forward a little bit to Matthew 11. Matthew 11. Verse 28. Come to me, all you who labour and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my roast that rest upon, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest from your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many love that? I love to love that scripture. I love it. And it's interesting that there's a, there's a term, it's a bit theological term, but let me just kind of say it out. Uh, kenosis. How many have ever heard that term? It's actually a, 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 a term, a theological term, because it's always this sense that Jesus emptied himself out. And for people to try to grasp that, I mean, you know, that's a kind of pretty hard thing for us to grasp. And, they, and so theologians use a term called kenosis, which means that he emptied himself out, but he didn't surrender any of his deity. He took upon himself the limitation of humanity. He turned himself as a friend of sin. Isn't that amazing that Jesus, the Son of God, called himself a friend of sinners. He didn't come across in arrogance and pride. He didn't come to condemn people. But he came in love and power just to reach out and touch. I think that's awesome. That Often the people that are most drawn to Jesus, well, the religious, is that true? They're the outcasts. The most likeliest people of all actually more recognised Jesus than all the religious teachers. That when he came, they didn't recognise him. It was the outcast who recognised who he was. Isn't that amazing? Why? Because the outcasts often were the ones who were humble of heart. And they just needed him so much. And out of that kind of humility of heart came a recognition of who he was. And so Jesus says this great word. He says, take my yoke. Which means an ability to learn about him, about his humility. Because true humility, I said before, brings a grace that enables us to do more than we could ever imagine we could do. I think it it causes us to live a, a supernatural lifestyle that does amazing things through the power of him. And he says, if you would do that, then you would find rest for your soul. And in the Greek, that word rest means recreation, intermission, pause, a letting down the cords that grow tight. I actually think this. I think there's a lot of turmoil in people's lives because of lack of humility. 
You think about it. Think of the, some of the turmoil that people go through. And it's often down to pride, often. You know, things like kind of, how dare they say that about me? That person didn't even acknowledge me. Nobody's going to treat me like that. Often offences can so easily capture a person's heart. Humility actually has an ability to kind of, kind of shake off offences. It's because of, it's lack of humility that stops people forgiving. Lack of humility causes people to unwillingly, to, to have an unwillingness to apologise. Often sleepless nights come about because we think of all that we've got to accomplish, all that we've got to do. Because pride becomes reliant on itself and that means that creates a lot of turmoil, a lot of stress, a lot of worry comes out of this sense that we're not coming to a place where we're totally dependent on him. Pride makes us unteachable. Pride makes us unwilling to change. Pride thinks we know better than everybody else. Pride makes us think that we have it all together. And really the reality is that we need him so much. Not one of us has got it together. Can you say amen? And we just say, God, there's that sense, I need you. I think humility makes you kind to people. You know why that is? Because you're not at a rush to judge people because you're so acutely aware of your own mistakes. And you just want to say encouraging words. You just want to see people lifted up. Humility makes us want to serve. It gives us a servant heart. What's the thing that stops people truly having a servant heart? It can so easily be pride. Humility means that we don't look for preeminence. We don't look for recognition. We see every single person and we look at them and we see for every person there's an amazing treasure within. Let me close this one verse, this last verse. Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22, verse 4. Let me close this one. By humility and fear of the Lord are riches, honour and life. Now, that fear of the Lord really is a, is a reverence for the presence of God. You just acknowledge. And there's a kind of awesomeness, a sense of his awe, a sense of awesomeness of how great God is. And I think we're told here that through humility, there comes amazing fruitfulness. There are amazing blessings for a person that's willing to develop a culture of humility in their life. The Bible speaks that promotion comes by humility, that God raises up the humble and that becomes promotion. I think God can come into your situation and he can promote you in any circumstance, in any situation you are in life. Whether it be career, whether it be every area, other area of your life, that God amazingly does amazing ways to promote those whose hearts have learned to develop humility. I think humility brings an authority. It causes us to walk with confidence, anointing, and security. It's an amazing way that you would think that a humble heart will be somebody who would feel inferior and feel, you know, and would go around with all kinds of inferiority complexes. 
But actually, it's quite the opposite. Somebody who's humble feels secure. Why is that? He doesn't feel he's got anything to prove. He hasn't got to prove himself to anybody. He's just more concerned what God thinks about him more than anybody else. So he's secure. He's confident. Because he's relying on God, not himself. You know when we feel fearful? The Bible says that it's only one thing that removes fear. You know what that is? Perfect love. I'm rooted, I'm grounded in the love of God and that rooting in God's love makes me feel secure and humility will cause you to feel secure. Humility will cause you to forgive. Humility will cause you to be a blessing to people. You just want to bless people. There's something in you that says, I just want to be a blessing to everybody. I want God to use me. Not for my glory, but for his glory, for his glory. Because a humble heart actually becomes absolutely, absolutely overwhelmed by a burning desire for the glory of God. And God is always glorified in humility. He's never glorified in pride. Why is that? Because humility is somebody who depends on God. And when you, when you do something dependent on God, he gets the glory, not you. Is that true? And that's what God wants to build. Let me just... Let me just throw off these other things. I close. Humility will cause you to lift up Jesus more than ourselves. Humility will cause us to decrease and Christ to increase. John the Baptist says, I, I want to decrease and I want him to what? Increase. Humility will serve others rather than be served or be controlled by others. Humility will make us transparent rather than untouchable. That's the important part. That you're, you're transparent. When people see you, they see the real you. They don't see a mask. They don't see someone who's living a life of pretense. They see someone who is totally and utterly transparent because that's what a humble heart is. And the final thing, humility will reveal to the world what they need most, which is Jesus. Let's just stand before him right now. Wouldn't it be awesome if we just, right now, I just want you to kind of, I just want you to put your hand on your heart right now. And just say, Lord, why don't you pray what David prayed? Say, God, search me and test me. Search my heart with your light. Are there any kind of areas, any deep recesses of our hearts where kind of pride lingers? Make a decision this morning. Say, Lord, I want to live a life of humility. Bring me into situations where I can kind of walk in that place of humility like Jesus. Not relying upon myself, not struggling and striving. Everybody know that the place of humility is a place of rest. It's a reliance. It's a dependency. No more struggling. No more striving. We're just relying and trusting in him. Say, Lord, today I want to be in that place. Just say, Lord, I'm laying down those things I've tried and relied on. Forgive me when I've just so tried in my own power my own strength but Lord I come today I just want to be reliant and 
Humble yourself on the mighty hand of God. And when you do that, he's just going to raise you up to do the most amazing things that you never thought possible. Humility doesn't limit you. Humility actually expands what you can do for him. Lord, we just come before you. Your word says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves. And Lord, today we, we, we come before you today and we say, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you search the deepest recesses of our hearts today. And Lord, today we want to become more and more reliant upon you in every area, in everything that we do. We just want to so rely on you. Lord, we want to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. So, Lord, that you would raise us up and that you would use us to do mighty and great things for your glory. And today, Lord, we give you all the honour. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise today, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that, Lord, all the amazing things that we can do, if we abide in you and your word abides in us. Oh, Lord, today, work that in our hearts, we pray. But today, we want to give you all the glory. We want to give you all the honour. We want to give you all the praise today. Hallelujah. 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 I want to right now in these moments, just spend a few moments with him. Is there something right now that's holding you back and you realise actually that's pride that's doing that? Maybe the willingness to forgive somebody. The willingness to, to... I suppose to reach out to somebody. Is there something right there that you need to sort of say, Lord, today, I surrender that to you. I relinquish that to you so that you can just use me now. Don't let anything of pride hold me back. Sometimes even that willingness to, to tell someone about Jesus, sometimes that can be a kind of pride because we're worried by what people are going to think about us and it, you know, how people are going to respond to us. Just say, Lord, I lay that down today. I want to be humble of heart. Lord, I pray today, just work that in every heart. Work that in every life, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delight Elam Church. For more downloads, information, or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceelam.co.uk.